with me this morning if you want to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've been going through that the last few Sundays. Uh, today we're going to be down around chapter 6, verse 31. When you find that text, I want you to stand. And we're going to honor God by standing and reading His Word in His house. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. If you read the back of the bulletin, uh, you saw that I wrote from your pastor. Uh, you see the theme this morning is seeking. And uh, I'm going to stay with that theme during this message. And so you'll see why in just a minute. Matthew 6, 31, the Bible says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen, Amen to that. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. As you speak to our hearts, Lord, I pray that they're receptive to you. Use your Holy Spirit, Lord, turning loose in this room and, and, and letting uh, change lives. Letting speak to hearts. Letting heal hearts. Letting wound hearts. Father, we pray for your will to be done today on this great resurrection day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. As you see uh, this morning, uh, many people are here today, and uh, some of the people came to seek Easter eggs. Now, I know that's probably not the only reason they came, but uh, most of them have exited this room, and, and they'll be having that Easter egg hunt here shortly, uh, perhaps right after church. Some of you are here because of curiosity. You, you're seeking uh, things because you're not familiar with the church. Maybe you haven't been to church often, and, and so you're seeking to find out what it's like. Uh, others of you are here seeking to get out of here, okay? You're here today because somebody invited you, and you can't wait for this to get over, so you are seeking the back door, and I, I'm being honest with you. I, I know that feeling. I, I was one of those guys one time uh, in my life. I was seeking the service to be over. Some of you are seeking uh, genuinely the kingdom of heaven that we just read about here whatever you're here seeking i know the devil is seeking to destroy that's what the bible tells us i know god is seeking to save whatever reason you're here for i know you're seeking something when we don't find what we're seeking after in life uh, we become weary of life we become disappointed. We lose trust in God. We might lose trust in a family member. We might lose trust in ourselves if we don't find what we're looking for in life, what we're seeking after. We grow um, weary of a purpose. We lose hope. Genuinely, we lose hope. Today is Resurrection Day. This is the day that God brought hope to people. This is a day that I hope might change your outlook on life and maybe perhaps change the reason you come to church or the reason you don't go to church. I pray that God would do that. You know, Easter can bring many memories. I have memories of my childhood a little bit. I, I have uh, memories of my older days in, 
in ministry uh, with the church on Easter Sunday. It's a, it's a special day. Uh, whatever the case may be, I know that memories uh, bring, or Easter brings a lot of memories, some joyous, some not so joyous, some lonely. Maybe you're uh, uh, living alone for the first Easter in your life. Maybe you've been alone for a while and you don't, you don't understand why God uh, is it taking care of that? Whatever the emotions are that you have, we see those on Easter uh, more significantly. They're enhanced uh, on holidays, are they not? Uh, some of them are high emotions. Some of them are low emotions. In, in the biblical account of Easter, which is the resurrection day, uh, the people of Israel uh, had emotions, uh, and they had lost hope. The reason why is because they were looking to Jesus to be the savior of them against the Roman occupation. All right? They were under Roman rule, and they had been like that for several years. And they thought that their Messiah, or this Jesus, might be the one to set them free from that. However, when he was arrested that night, that the choir... And the music portrayed when he was arrested and then he was put on trial and then he was crucified. Guess what all the people of Israel thought? Their hopes in this freedom was lost. The thing they had been looking for was gone. The idea that, that this man was going to lead them out of Roman occupation and lead Israel to be a great world power again was dashed. They lost hope. Now, they had the right person. They just misunderstood his purpose. They misunderstood God's message about him. And so you can understand their sorrow and their disappointment in life and what was taking place. Upon his death, they lost all the hope. And so we find uh, two men walking away from Jerusalem that night or that next day. Uh, we call them the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They lived in a town called Emmaus, and they were going home after the crucifixion. Jesus just shows up, and he begins walking with them. And uh, he, they begin to tell him the circumstances, and he pretends that he doesn't know anything about it. Isn't that crazy? But that's what he does. And here's what these two men said to Jesus on that road. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was going to, to set Israel free. And in fact, all of the disciples, the 12, plus the maybe hundreds of other disciples that were students of Jesus, they felt the same way. They, they had lost all hope of ever seeing anything change in their life, that Rome would still be a power over them. In fact, uh, Peter really lost hope when he denied Jesus at that trial. You remember that story. He denied that he knew who Jesus was, and then Jesus is crucified on the cross. Peter doesn't get a chance to say, I'm sorry, or he doesn't get a chance to, to do anything about Jesus. And all the other disciples at Jesus' arrest and trial and crucifixion, where are they? They're gone with the wind. They scatter, right? Now, Peter and John went to see the trial. That's where Peter ended up denying that he knew Jesus but all of this plays into the idea of Easter and the disappointment that comes with not understanding the purpose of Jesus. 
And so there's some of you here today that don't understand that purpose, and I hope I'm able to explain it to you maybe in more detail. Oh, sure, you, under, you know who he is, you know about him, but you really don't know him personally. Some of you here today know him personally, but you've gotten away from church. And you've gotten away from the fellowship of his people. And so the Lord wants to call you back into that. I had Kevin and Gina read John chapter 20. That's what I want to talk about this morning in seeking the kingdom first. Now, they read about Mary uh, Magdalene being at the tomb early uh, that morning. In fact, she was the first one there. She had made arrangements with uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, and Salome. And, and some other women to go there and to meet and to anoint the body of Jesus with perfume and flowers and such because of his death and decay, right? And so she arrives early, and in that story we find that the body's missing. Now, Mary is a follower of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says she was a woman from Magdala, therefore Mary Magdalene, she was from Magdala, and she was a woman who had seven demons cast out from her by Jesus. So now she's devoted to him, and she's a follower of his. She arrives at the tomb. She's already broken because of his death. Now she gets there and sees that his body's been stolen or taken. And now she is totally distraught, and she doesn't know what to do. She rushes back to tell the disciples. They run, as we read in John they see John and Peter run and see Jesus missing. They go home. Mary stays there. She's at the tomb. She's already made one trip to town. Now she's staying there to perhaps continue to look for the body of Jesus. Now, what happens is that she is seeking a dead person. Amen? She's seeking someone that, that is not alive. And so she understands in a little bit, that this day was going to bring life-changing hope to her because Jesus was alive. So you might be here curious today. You might be here looking for answers. You might be waiting to get out of here. You might be seeking fulfillment in your life, or you might be seeking the kingdom. Whatever the case may be, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an amazing story, whether you believe it or not. It is an amazing event that took place in the history of mankind. Now, there are plenty of uh, debates about it, and, and you're going to hear the devil ramp up about the resurrection of Christ because he wants to put that down. He wants to destroy that story. He wants to put it out of commission because that changes people's lives. He doesn't want to change your life. He wants to destroy your life. So anything he can do to get you to not believe that story, he's going to do. But it's what is amazing, oftentimes, that captures your and mind's attention. When I see something amazing, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to it. I, I want to investigate. I want to look at it. I, I may not believe it at first, but the longer I see, the longer I look, the longer I learn, I begin to change my mind. That is an amazing event that took place. Now, in all of the world, of all the people in the world, there's one group that got it right that understood what this meant. There's one group where their sorrow was turned to joy on that Resurrection Sunday, and that was the followers or those seeking Jesus Christ. Matthew says, seek first His kingdom. In order to seek the kingdom of God, 
You've got to seek the king of the kingdom. Amen? You've got to seek who this person is who is over the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to talk with you about this morning. Seeking the king of the kingdom. Mary stands there after Peter and John have left, and the Bible says she's weeping. And then she looks in the tomb, perhaps one more time, and there she sees some angels, two angels. One account says one angel, another one says two. Stories written by men who heard what Mary was saying. Whatever the case may be, here's what the angel says. Why are you weeping? Not come in, Mary, or not hello, Mary, or not good day, Mary. He just asked her in surprise of himself, why are you weeping? He's not asking that for information. He is amused or amazed at this woman on this great life-changing day that she's standing out there crying. Why? She doesn't have the biblical knowledge of what happened. It's there in the Bible. The Old Testament prophesied and predicted the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah. But Mary is not familiar with all of that. And so she only sees that her friend, her rabbi, her teacher is gone. The person that changed her life, the person that set her free is gone from her presence. So that's why she's weeping. After the angel speaks to her, she hears someone behind her and she turns around to look. And you and I know it's Jesus. But she thinks he's the gardener. And what does he say to her? Hello, Mary. He says, why are you weeping, woman? Why are you crying? You know, that's an interesting question because disappointments come to us when we don't see the big picture. Mary couldn't see the big picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. She didn't understand all of that. And you and I get disappointed sometimes with God or we get disappointed with people in the church or with society in general because we don't see the big picture. We don't understand all of the things that are lining up to have happen in prophecy and world time events. And believe me, you know it as well as I do, we are close to the end. The world can't get much worse than it is right now. And so we see this all taking shape. God's not working. God doesn't care. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's the world's attitude about missing the big picture. Oh, you Christians want to talk about God and believe in God and and say how great He is, but why do all these bad things happen to good people? You know what the Bible says? There are no good people. Romans chapter 3 says, they've all turned aside. None of them seek after God. There is no one who is good, not even one. Even Jesus said that, did he not? Why do you call me good? He said, there's no one good but one, and that's the Father. So when you say good things happen to bad, or bad things happen to good people, you have to kind of eat crow when you say that because there are really no good people. Now, the world might look at people and call them good, But why does that happen? I'll tell you this. 
Things are not falling apart in our world. Things are falling into place. The Bible tells us what's going to happen in the end, and it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse, and then the end comes. Right? So things aren't falling apart. They're falling right into place where God would want them. The kingdom is coming. Jesus will return. Amen? You need to know that this morning. Whether you believe it or not, I'm going to tell you that. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says, what God says about it, what Jesus says about it, what the Holy Spirit says about it. You've got to take it. If you can accept it, you've got to take it for what that is. It's God telling you. It's God warning you. The end is coming. Why do bad things happen? Because evil men commit evil acts. And this has affected every one of us. I would get, almost, almost guarantee that the abortion issue has affected every person in this room. Not you personally, but someone in your family. Someone that you know. Someone that's close to you. Someone you heard about. Someone you love. That issue has affected all of us in this country. You know the other countries in the world, they look at us and they sneer at us. Because we are the abortion capital of the world. We kill more babies in this nation than any other nation in the world. You know what? God hates that. Okay? Bad things happen because evil men commit evil acts. And so you and I are affected by those things. We're affected by disease. We're affected by death. We're affected by terrorists. We're affected by burglars. We're affected by all kinds of evil men committing evil acts. That doesn't mean that God doesn't care and it doesn't mean that God doesn't know. It simply means that things are falling into place. Amen? Think about it. Evil men arrested Jesus on the night in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. And they took him to a fake trial. And evil men hung him on a cross and crucified our Lord. Evil men committing evil acts. But it ended up being something good for you and I. Mary couldn't see the big picture. The disciples couldn't see the big picture. You live 2,000 years after this event. And if you have a little bit of Bible knowledge, you see and understand that big picture. But if you don't, if you don't know that, then you don't understand it and you don't see that big picture. Look what it says in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose these evil men commit those things, and you and I grieve over that. I grieve over the issues that happen to my family. I grieve over the death of a child by a molester. I grieve over those things. But you know what? The Bible says we don't grieve like the world grieves. Because I grieve with a hope that God will fulfill His promises of the end. That God will come again. That God will stand on this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. That God will make things right again. I know that. I believe that with all of my heart. I see that. He changed my life. He's changed many of your lives. So let Him change you today if He hasn't already. 
Understand that the big picture. Things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. And God is bringing about the end. And He is seeking you today. The devil's seeking to destroy your life. God's seeking to save your life. You might be here seeking whatever you're seeking. But hear that. God is seeking after you. If you can accept that, then that can turn your sorrow, as Mary had, into hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, why are we sorrowful? Why why do we get upset? Why do we get sad about things? We find hope in this resurrection. Life-changing resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Life-changing for me, life-changing for you. We need to seek the risen king of the kingdom. As I said earlier, Mary was seeking after a dead Lord. Okay? She just wanted to put some perfume on his body and anoint him with some flowers and and other spices so that he wouldn't smell. Amen? And when she got there, he was gone. She thought that he would be dead. Let me ask you a question. How effective is Jesus Christ in your life right now? How much effect does Jesus have on you in your everyday routine? What is He doing in your life that no one else could do for you? What is He doing to shape you and mold you and change you? Or is He just ineffective to you right now? In fact, you get up and you go about your day with without a thought of Him. You might think about Him when you eat a meal and you throw up a prayer, but that's about it as far as your prayer time is concerned. You rarely read your Bible. In fact, you probably don't even know where it's sitting right now at your home. How much effect does Jesus Christ have in your life? You know, He's alive. He's not dead. He is risen. Today we celebrate that. Mary was looking for a dead Lord, but He is alive and living King. But there are some things we need to understand about His death, burial, and resurrection. Hope for us only comes in life. There's no hope for us in death. The only hope we have is in life. And Jesus is the life-giving King. And so how did He do that? He was crucified, right? He was crucified for real. The Old Testament tells us that. In Isaiah 53, it says this. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. Kim read that during the, the, the choir song. And so, I want you to see that predicted His death. In Psalm 22... David wrote this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't that what Jesus said on the cross? So Jesus quotes the Old Testament. The Bible, Old Testament, predicted, prophesied of his death. And we can see that. Jesus said, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down. He laid it down for you, by the way. He laid it down for me. He laid it down for us. So, praise the Lord, that's right. If you don't know Jesus crucified for you, then you don't know Him at all. If you don't know that Jesus died for you, then you can't possibly know Him at all. We seek a crucified Lord. 
But also we seek a risen Lord. As the Bible predicted his death, in those same chapters it also predicted his life and resurrection. In Isaiah 53, it says this on the screen. My servant, God says of Jesus, my servant will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Let me tell you something. A dead king can't divide spoils. Amen. Predicted his death in the same chapter and at the end of the chapter, it predicts his life and what will happen. He will divide the spoils with the strong. In the same way in Psalm 22 that I quoted just a moment ago, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that same chapter, Jesus is quoted as saying this, I will tell of, my, I will tell of your name to my brethren. A dead king can't go around telling his brothers about God. Psalm 22 said, I will tell of your name to my brethren. What does that mean? We go back to the tomb. We go back to the resurrection Sunday. Mary is there with Jesus. She clings to him. Jesus says, stop clinging to me and go and tell my brethren that I ascend to my father and your father, my God and your God. What's significant about that? That's the first time Jesus ever called his disciples brothers. Go tell my brethren. Go tell my brothers that I ascend to the Father. Why is that significant? Because you and I are the brothers of Christ. We are in his family. It's the first time that it was mentioned. It's the first time of significance for that great event. In reality, Mary was the first evangelist. Amen. She was sent. You could almost call her Apostle Mary. Eyewitness sent by Jesus. Amen. To go and share the good news with the brothers of Jesus Christ. And that's what she did. So seeking the king of kings is important because it turns our sorrow into hope. It turns my disappointment into uh, Beauty, and it turns my regrets into forgiveness. Amen? Look how many are seeking Jesus today. You might be here as well. Mary goes seeking Jesus. She's looking for him. She finds the empty tomb. She hears the angel say, why are you weeping? She turns and hears this man speak to her. Why are you weeping? And then he says something else to her. He calls her by name. In our English, we read Mary. In the Aramaic, it is Miriam. So Jesus is standing there. Mary's weeping. She's crying. She's hearing. She's not able to see. Or either she just sees and doesn't recognize him. Maybe the sunlight's behind him and he's just a silhouette of black. She thinks he's the gardener of the cemetery. She says, where have you taken him? And I will get him and take his body and, and take care of it. And Jesus says this, Miriam. What at that moment, Mary recognizes his voice. 
She's been following him. She's been close to him. He cast out those demons from her. She knows that voice. And she hears and recognizes that voice. And it changes her perspective. John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to us about the shepherd and the sheep. And he says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. I call them by name and they follow me. You know, when I read that studying up for today, I I thought about back 30 years ago to my salvation experience. And I I never really uh, uh, tied it to anything like this morning. But I remember laying out in that grass behind that bar regretful and sorrowful of my life and then I heard somebody say my name. It wasn't like audibly. It was in here. I heard him say my name. The God who created the universe knew my name. And he called me. And he extended his hand to me. And I reached up from that place and I took his hand. And he picked me up. And he cleaned me off. And he set me on a rock. And he said, walk this way. That rock was Jesus Christ. He called my name. You see, I know that many of you in here have heard that call. You've answered it. Some of you have heard that name of yours, but you've pushed it aside. You've rejected it. Mary didn't recognize Jesus. Many of you here don't recognize Jesus. You wouldn't know him if you ran into him. He would look just like anybody else in our society. The Bible says he's not a head taller or broad-shouldered or muscled up or intelligent that we would recognize him. It says he's not imposing. He's just every man's man. He just looks like any one of us in this room. But when he calls your name, You know who he is. You see, I answered that call 30 years ago and he changed my life. Today, he's calling some of you in this room. He's calling you by name. He's calling you because he's seeking after you and he wants you to know him. Have you heard him calling you? Because he does seek for you. Now, she clings to him. He tells her, stop. Okay, I don't have a lot of time here, Mary. Now think about why she clung to him. She had lost him. He was, she saw him hanging on that cross. She saw the spear go in his side. She saw him dead on the ground. She saw him put into that tomb. But now he's alive and she just runs and wraps her arms around his feet. And she's not ever letting go. And he says, Mary, stop clinging to me. All right? It's not time right now. Here's what I want you to do. Go tell my brothers that I have ascended to my God and your God and my Father and your Father. And so he says to her, go tell the ones who left me behind. Go tell the ones who are reeling in their guilt. Go tell the one who denied me at the court. 
Go tell the one who doubts that I've been resurrected. Go tell those men that I'm alive. How many times have you walked away from him? How many times have you rejected him? How many times have you denied him? And yet, he still sends people to you because he's seeking you to save you, to rescue you, to change your life, to let things happen in such a way that you will never forget him and you will always follow him in that way. That he would turn your sorrow into hope. But if you, like Mary, seek him, then we need to be rejoicing today. We need to understand the big picture. We need to have hope and to hear his voice. Brother Clay, how do I seek God, somebody that I cannot see? How do I go about doing that? I've got some things to help you. Do it honestly. Mary was at the tomb weeping. I remember myself weeping over my life. Many of you have wept over your sin. The Bible says, don't get those tears cleaned up. Don't straighten your act up. Don't dress up and come to church with your church mask smile on. You come as you are, broken and needy and contrite, full of tears. Come to Him honestly. Be honest with yourself. Don't cover up things. Come to Him in your sorrow. You say, I don't, I don't understand there all, all there is to know. You don't have to understand. You come to Him just like you are. He will help you. Tears and all, come to Jesus like you are. Even today, right here in this place. He's not asking you to shape up. He's asking you to come. Because He's seeking you. How else do I come? How else do I seek Him? I seek Him diligently. Notice this, Mary was the first one at the tomb that morning. Mary was the last one to leave. She came. The other ladies came. They ran to Peter and the disciples. Peter and John run back. Mary and him run back. Sure enough, he's gone. The disciples go home. Other ladies go home. Who's at the tomb? Mary. By herself. She was the first one to get there. She was the last one to leave. And what happened? The Lord rewarded her with his presence. Seek God diligently, and He will reward you with His presence. I have a slide here. I got way past it a moment ago, I think. I'm going to try to back up. It says in Jeremiah, here we go, one more. Come on, computer. Boy, I went too fast for the poor thing. We got a slow computer. Do you see what it says, Jeremiah, Russell? Keep going. Anyway, uh, how do we find him? We seek for him. Honestly, we seek for him diligently. Here's what Jeremiah says about it. God says this to the people. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's how you find God. You search for Him with this. 
not your dress, not your attitude, not your intelligence, not your money, not your abilities or your talents. You seek for Him with your heart. And He says that you will find Him when you seek for Him in that way. Now, we know Mary was from Magdala and that she was a demon-possessed girl. You know, you don't have to be anyone special to come to Jesus. In fact, you can be demon-possessed and from an obscure town somewhere in Oklahoma, and you could come and find Jesus Christ, just like this young woman did herself. He desires to turn your sorrow into hope today. Another way that we find him is we do it uh, obediently. Now, he said, go and tell my disciples. After clinging to Jesus, he says, stop clinging to me and go and tell my disciples. If he is the king of the kingdom, he's not Aladdin's lamp. He, he doesn't uh, fix things with uh, the rub of a lamp and poof, pops out a genie. That's not Jesus, okay? If you come to him looking for that, you won't find it. In fact, he may not even fix your problems the way you want them fixed. He'll address them and he'll help you through them, but he may not do away with them. You see, the consequences of sin are bearing on us. And God forgives the penalty of our sin, but the consequences sometimes we have to live with. And sometimes we have to, to deal with those. So he's not in a lamp. He may not fix your problems like you want. But the Bible says he's Lord. He is Lord of our life. If he's the Lord of our life, then we as his servants obey him. So come seeking Jesus obediently. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He offers his service to you today. He offers you to make you free. He offers you freedom right now in this place. He offers to forgive your sin. He offers to turn your sorrow into hope this morning. He offers to give you eternal life. The strong man is the man who can say, I'm wrong and God's right. The coward is the man who hides behind his pride. And he cannot say he's been wrong to God. The strong man humbles himself before the mighty God and is saved. The coward hides behind his pride and he's never saved. In Revelation, we read about those who do not go into heaven. Do you know who's on that list? The cowards. The cowards. You wouldn't think that being a coward would keep you out of heaven, would you? I mean, is there any shame really in being a coward? When it comes to you and your pride and you hide behind that pride in a church service or when a message is spoke or when God is tugging at your heartstrings and you hide behind that pride and you don't listen and you reject what you're hearing because of your pride, because you are not one of those. You're not as bad as that preacher at Aaron Springs Baptist Church. You're not as bad as that guy in prison for killing those people. You're hiding behind pride. You're not as bad. You have some good in you. Don't you remember what we started with? The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. I pray today that you would let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now. David's going to come up and lead us in a song of invitation. Don't be prideful and hide behind your, or don't be a coward and hide behind your pride. 
Be a strong man. Step up and do what's right in the kingdom of God and seek Him honestly. Seek first His kingdom and all of life after that will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, we ask Your message to penetrate each heart that is here. Let Your Holy Spirit rule in this place. And Father, thank You for Resurrection Day and giving us hope. And Father, help us to seek Jesus. He is our only hope. I pray that every man, woman in this room knows Him before they leave this building. It's vital, Lord. It's important. Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place for Your return. And I pray today that You align people with Your kingdom and let them enter in. In Jesus' name, amen. The standing-